0: You're listening to The Long Gone Loser Rock Show, 66.6 on your MF dial. Hello and welcome again to another episode of The Long Gone Loser Rock Show. My name is Damo and thank you so much for joining me this week. As today, we are featuring an interview with the guitarist and vocalist of the band The Stranglers, Mr. Baz Warne. This guy's a lifer. He's been doing music for a very, very long time. You may remember him from his stint in the Toy Dolls or his stint in the band The Small Town Heroes, an awesome band from the 90s that I was really into. I thought their singles were really, really good. And so, I, of course, I have to you know, punish him about that as well because why not? But, yes, we talk about guitars and other things, punk rock bowling, the whole deal, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But first, if you want to contact me, you can write to the show at longgoneloser at gmail.com. And I'll be able to respond to your emails there. Also, don't forget we have the Long Gone the Rock Show on YouTube, which is basically a vinyl nerdery heaven where me... I like to talk about records, and so I share records from my collection with you, talk about new records that I've picked up and things like that. And also, I have the upcoming series on the Waterfront Records label, so stay tuned to that. If that's something you're interested in, you can find us on YouTube at the Long Gone Loser Rock Show or at longgoneloser.com. And yeah, knock yourselves out. Don't forget, you can follow the Instagram, which is at longgoneloser. But in the meantime... Let's get into this interview because you didn't come on here to listen to me, Babylon. You came on here to listen to Baz Warren talk about all sorts of cool things. So, here we go. Let's get into it.
1: How you doing, man? You all I'm, right?
0: Yeah, I'm doing really good. It's really early here, so I haven't done an early morning interview in so long. So this is
1: uh, this, this is different. <laughs> well, I do apologise. It's it's 10:30 at night here, and uh, I. I've been up in the north of England visiting family, and I drove like the fucking wind to get down here, tonight so that I could uh, get home in time to speak to you. So, um, oh, okay. it's, it's a shame. It's a shame I can't see you, but never mind.
0: Ah, uh, you're not missing anything. Trust me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless you. Uh, well, okay. you
0: know, I give you a quick history on how I discovered uh, the Stranglers' music, and I. This is probably something you've. I don't know whether you've heard this before, but it is quite funny. I heard the Strangler's name first of all when I bought a book on uh, page three model Samantha Fox, and she said she was like the biggest fan before she became a pop star.
1: (laughs) So, why did you buy a book about Samantha Fox? I wonder. I just wonder.
0: Yeah, well, I was I am a red blooded male, so (laughs) there you go. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so he mentioned that uh, how much she loved the stranglers and that uh made me go like who's the stranglers like what's that i mean i was probably you know i must have been like what eight years old or something nine years old when i read this book like okay
1: all ah, right
0: yeah whenever she came through with the uh, you know and started making waves obviously with touch
1: which music. was things of hers yes that too yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so and then that made me want to know who the stranglers were and then obviously when i started buying my own records and stuff like that you know i'd see uh, a lot of stranglers records around and i was always intrigued so immediately i was like well Samantha Fox talked about this band but what does it sound like and i had no idea and uh, so i bought four just on the, on the space of it being there in the used record store and i was like i'll give it a whirl and that's when you realize this is cool i like this and you right. start to okay. move in that direction of uh, discovering all this sort of, you know, I guess quote unquote punk music. So yeah, that was how I discovered. It. I thought that was an interesting way to discover the stranglers. It,
1: it's uh, well, I've, I have to say, I've never heard, I've never heard that before. Um, I've never met Samantha Fox. We are, we have been in the same kind of building as her, but God knows only why. I can't remember why, but i we did something, and she was there somewhere. But um, okay, well, you know, good on you
0: yeah <laughs> that's it's just how you get there right yeah so
1: it is of course it is it's it's all it's all part of the journey
0: yeah i mean at this time you know when she was making waves you were probably still in the toy dolls at that at that stage maybe or oh
1: god say- uh yeah yeah early mid early 1980s very early 1980s yeah. yeah i had a big full head of spiky spiky yellow hair in those days <laughs> puppy days <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, I've only ever seen the toy dolls once as well, and I saw them in England in 2000. So you weren't in the band then. Uh, no, I'd gone
1: by I'd long gone by then. Yeah, yeah, long gone.
0: But I will say the one band that I do, and I still listen to this song all the fucking time, is uh, Spin by Small toy
1: Oh, Town oh, Heroes. Yeah. Well, well, well. That was that was my um, my brother was a singer. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and uh, he lives in New Zealand. So before we come to Australia. Where are you? Where are you, Damien, by me- the way? Where are you? Melbourne. You're in Melbourne? Yeah. Ah, my fa- one of my favourite places. I just love that city. Oh, man. we. Uh, I'm flying down next week, actually, to visit my brother before the band turn up for a, a few days. So I shall make sure that I tell him about that, because, um, uh, yeah, it was a good... That was... That was a. That was a happy time. That was long. long that, and that's how we met the Stranglers, actually. That's how I met the Stranglers. Yeah. We supported them in the UK in 1995, uh, around that time. So all in, all interconnected, really.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is one thing I've definitely noticed with, uh, especially music in the 90s as well, especially from England uh, or from the UK, I should say, yeah. is, the, is the use of massive harmonies. Like One of my favourite bands of all time is
1: the Wild Hearts. And, oh uh, yeah, made to mind.
0: Yeah, and Ginger is like the biggest like use of like I guess you could say like overdriven cheap trick harmonies. You know what
1: yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. Real, real classics. Well, I mean, D- Danny, Danny's more my mate. I've known Danny since right at the beginning because we come from the same part of the world. Well, the Wild Hearts come from the same part of the world. Only met Ginger a handful of times. He's all right, you know. He's all right. Great songwriter. But I do remember when we were with the small town heroes, we went to see the Wild Hearts in Newcastle in England on on tour. And they were so good. I mean, we were a good band, the Small Town Heroes, but this the Wild Hearts were so fucking good. And we went out on the we were out on standing out on the on the pavement after the gig, thinking to ourselves, we've we need to go back to the drawing board if we're going to compete with the likes of them. They're so good, you know. Um, all four of them were singing. It was brutally loud, but not too loud. It had all the ways. It's, it's actually that Wild Hearts gig, 95, Newcastle America. That's probably one of the best gigs I've seen in a long time. So, but yeah, harmonies, Smartdown Heroes, me and my brother, we, we loved harmonies. And we do like the occasional harmony with the Stranglers as well. So, you know, we get there.
0: It's one record that I wish would get a vinyl release because I'm a vinyl nerd. And so, so oh, yeah. I always sit there and think like, man, how good that record. I mean, I think those songs hold up. They do, they still hold up, you know, in
1: 2023. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Spin is on vinyl. You can, you, we, we released it as a, as a vinyl 45. It's as rare as Hen's Teeth. I don't even think I've got one. I know I used to have one somewhere, um, but I don't even think I've got one. But you could maybe try and see if you could find it online somewhere. Yeah, it's it. Uh, I do, I do remember, I, and I think the vinyl I had never even got played because at the time I didn't even have a turntable. You know. Oh my god. <laughs> I know. I've got a really good old. I've got an old, lovely old Hitachi from the seventies now, nice. which I love to use. But um, yeah,
0: that's awesome. Yeah, I think Human Soup is probably one of those records. I think where people will come back, like they'll revisit it. You know, just be like where, where was I? Where did I miss this record? You know, like how did I
1: miss it? <laughs> That's very kind of you to say. I, re, I I can still remember making that album in London in the, in the summer of um, 1994, I think it was, when we made it. And uh, it we, and it was just, I wasn't 95, might have been 95, I can't remember. Happy days, happy days, my brother and two of my closest friends, just the four of us. We were, we had, we'd we signed a record deal from the north, we were from the northeast of England. It was very difficult to get record deals anywhere in them days, but we got one, not a great one, but we got one and it and, and enabled us to go to London and make make uh, an album, you know. And then we we actually did another one called Atomic Cafe, but that never came out, unfortunately. We broke up before it came out. And I think it's twice the record that human soup is. It's so good. I should try and see if I can find a copy and bring it to Australia with me. And uh, are you coming to the gig in Melbourne? I hope so. Well, I'll see if I can find, I'll see if I can find a copy of it and... Um, get it to you somehow we'll work we'll work something out
0: yeah because i mean i definitely would would love to hear more because I, like i said like that album i think is it, you know moral judgment as well i was actually surprised that moral judgment was the biggest song in spin you know because it got it won that award or picked up that best song of the year or something like it back in the yeah trumpet. yeah we... i just thought spin <laughs> i thought spin should have been a fucking huge hit like because that chorus is just so good so
1: yeah <laughs> well bless you thank yeah. you very much yeah sorry to
0: piss in your pocket about small town heroes. You no you're all right. Them, that's,
1: that's quite all right. That's 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 quite all right.
0: Yeah. Have you got really
1: anything fun. to ask about have you got anything to ask about the Stranglers? Yes I do.
0: Yes I do. I've got a lot actually to because one of the things that I find is very interesting is that you and JJ live so far apart and I always think like you know especially and then things like you know covid happened and things like that. How much writing did you do during covid because it seemed that when covid hit Everybody was just writing, 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 because that's all they could do because they were in lockdown or whatever, and they, they couldn't leave their homes or whatever. And yeah. I just found that so much was yeah. done. You know, so many bands all over the world were yeah. just churning out stuff. It was incredible. Is that how you passed your time? Well, uh,
1: well, yeah. I mean, we had, we had uh, I mean, if I'm honest, um, lockdown, I fucking loved it to start with because it was like someone pressed a reset button. I mean, if it had been in the dead of winter, it might have been a different story. But here in England, um, we had a glorious summer. And I live in a nice kind of suburb with a park and everything. And so me and my wife, we just had... You know, um, uh, the, certainly for the first month, it was just wonderful. I mean, I know it was a pandemic and people were dying and, you know, but I mean, I, I think if you speak to a lot of folk, people went. It was literally, you, you know, stay at home. There's nothing to do. There's nowhere to go. You can't go at the pub. You can't go to the shops. You can't spend any money. You can't go to gigs. You can't do anything. And then in May of that year, Dave Greenfield died, which was... One of the worst things that I think ever happened to me and and the band, of course. Uh, JJ and myself, you know, people talk about, um, well, I put my phone on silent, I switched my phone. People never really actually ever properly switched their phones off, but we did because the media and I, we, we, we were overwhelmed and besieged by people wanting to be kind and friendly, sending us condolences and stuff like that but also the press and the media were relentless. And so we we didn't speak to each other for about a month. He, of course, had known Dave Greenfield for much longer than I had, but I'd known Dave for over 20 years, and uh, him and I were very close. And it was awful. In 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 April of 2019, after we'd finished the British tour of that year, we went into a recording studio near Oxford, to um record some ideas that we had with the with the um the idea of making an album and everything of course we went on tour for the rest of the year and that and most of it got shelved but then when Dave died and we really didn't know whether or not there would be a stranglers jj asked me if I still wanted to keep going i asked him if he still wanted to keep going we both decided that we did, but then, of course, you've got the, the the added thing of how the fuck are we going to find somebody that can play d- keyboards like Dave Greenfield did? When you see us in Melbourne, uh, hopefully, if you do, you'll you'll that 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 question will be answered, and you'll see a keyboard player the likes of which you've never seen before. It's somebody that can play Dave and more. It's just it's just incredible. But anyway, I'm dig- I'm digressing. Um, we. Decided that at the very least, the first thing that we could do would be to finish the album in whatever way, shape or form as a tribute to him. So we started visiting, revisiting stuff. Um, We had a lot of stuff in the can. This is actually, I am actually answering your question in a roundabout way. We had a lot of stuff in the can. JJ became quite prolific in his grief. He wrote a lot of stuff and I did as well, but also... We are one of those bands, and I'm very much of the, of the, um, the, you know, adopting the the attitude of you never, ever, ever, ever throw anything away as a musician. You never even the shit stuff, because one day you'll hear it again and think it's not quite as shit as it was the first time. So there was a lot of stuff that we already had. There was stuff in the can that we'd recorded with Dave. There was some new stuff. I've got a recording studio in my house. JJ hasn't, but he's got access to one in the village where he lives in the south of France. And between me and him and the engineer and the drummer, um, we managed to make, in my opinion, one of the best Stranglers albums ever with Dark Manners. It charted in the UK. It went to number three, which is the first Stranglers album to go top three for 38 years. I think a lot of it was to do with the Dave story, but when you listen to that music, it's still, it's very strong. I mean, I've made, I've, I've in my I've been in The Stranglers for 23 years. We've only managed to make four albums in that time. Um, and this is head and shoulders above anything that we've made in my time. And I think JJ would say that it's arguably one of the best Stranglers albums ever. I know there's a lot of, you know, the old school and stuff and whatever. So to answer your question, yeah, we did write a lot. We were on the phone to each other nearly every day once we once we switched our phones on and decided to, to take up the mantle again. But initially there was a question mark over the word, whether there would ever be a stranglers um, because uh, how do you replace somebody like him? You know, not 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 you know notwithstanding his talent and and the amazing um, style that he had, but also just overcoming the grief of losing a friend. You know. And it was a very taxing and difficult time. Um we can look back on it now with with some pride because we, we rose out of the, the the shit, you know. But at the time it was it was horrible. And yes, you're right because you're upset, you're right because you're happy, you're you're right because you're bored. You can't do it to or at least I can't do it to order. If somebody comes and puts a gun to my head and said, Write a song now, there'd be brains everywhere because Inspiration comes to you when it comes to you. You can't force it, you know. I think a lot of that happened in lockdown, where people decided that, you know, I'm a musician and I need to. Okay, I'll take stock. And of course, I, there was a lot of material written in that time, because nobody had anything else to do, you know. So, um, yeah, that's a bit of a long winded answer to your question, but I hope you've, uh, I hope you know what I'm, what I mean.
0: Dealing with grief, you know, like that, it can either go one of. Two ways you can either become really creative or just become so depressed that you don't do anything. And it's, yeah. and you know, obviously, like you said, you know, JJ channeled his songwriting from the grief and yourself as well. Like that's what got you writing was dealing with that. And I found that that's yeah. a really, I mean, music as an artist, I'm, you know, I play in a band as well. I know what it's like to a degree, but I mean, being creative is like a, a coping mechanism I find for myself, yeah. you know, yeah, 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 out yeah, of yeah. Funk, you know
1: yeah yeah i mean it's 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 a catharsis, and it's what you do because it's who you are mm. um I've gone through some some down times in my life. This is becoming a really really down interview isn't it we're talking we're talking a lot about no, I think stuff it's, but
0: it's real that's what that's what I like about yeah it. yeah 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 well
1: them, right? I've dealt with a lot of issues in my life not not in 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 more recent times, but you know ten years or so fifteen years or so ago. There was a lot going on in my life. And I remember my dad, God rest his soul, saying to me, you know what, Baz, you, you are, you're you, a human dartboard at the minute. Every, you, everybody's just throwing darts at you. It's just such a bad He says, but I come and watch you play. And I look at you on stage, he said, and all of that crap that you're dealing with just goes away. Um, He said, because that's when you're up there with that guitar, that, and then it's a cliche and it's corny, but of course, cliches are cliches because they're true, you know, that's who you truly are. He said, that's where you belong. When you're up there, you forget everything else. Mm -hmm. Not everybody can do that. Only, only people who, who, I mean, you know, I'm not blowing smoke with my own backside, but. This is what we were meant to do, which is why I'm still doing it at nearly 60 years of age and JJ is still doing it at over 70, you know. It's because it's not just something that you that you've decided to do for a crack. It's it really is who you are. And so when we lost Dave, it was very difficult to to think of life in the band without him, but we got it together and made it work. And uh, and I think just because we Bared our souls a little bit. There's some stuff on the last record that's, I don't know if you've heard the last record, but there's some stuff on the last record that's very raw and in your face. Um, and I think a lot of people respected that, you know? So, when yeah. you
0: listen to it, it does feel like, I guess in a way, I don't I don't know if it's the right word to use, but like maybe a eology y- or something like that. Like it does feel like it's saying, you know, there are so many messages in there about what you've lost and you know yeah. about what you also created together. Like it feels like yeah. it's a, uh, rather than being, uh, it's called dark matters. But I feel instead of being such a dark revel, it's more like a celebration of you know the the legacy and uh, and the lives of the people who not not just you know Dave and Jet as well, but also I think even going back further over the whole band's legacy. It's like you know you're celebrating what the Stranglers did in the past and what you're also going to do moving forward. It's yeah.
1: You know, yeah, well, somebody, somebody, um, a, a, good, a really good friend of mine who's a drummer, put it perfectly, um, and I mean, these are these are people that have lived with the Stranglers all through their lives, and he said to me, "That is exactly what the Stranglers should sound like in 2021." You've absolutely nailed it, and I mean, JJ still regards it as our most grown-up record. He reckons we've grown up with uh, when we met. That's that's what he says, and I can see what he's. I can see exactly what he's what he's getting at, you know. So uh, yeah, and hopefully, you know, the Aussie audiences will get a chance to hear us play some of those new songs as well.
0: I love the second track so much. This song, I think that song is an absolute killer. Oh yeah, that's a slayer.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's yeah, it's a it's a yeah, it's a good it's a good pop song that 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 was actually written by. Someone else who gave it to us, and we, um, well, we fucked with it, and messed with it, and made it our own. You know, that's awesome. So yeah, that's a that's a great tune. That's a great tune.
0: You didn't play anything new off this uh, in punk rock bowling, did you?
1: No, I don't think. I don't think so. Um, I can I, obviously I remember punk rock bowling, and um, I remember that I had a, a, a faulty some faulty equipment. Then that, that guitar that I was playing nearly got. Nearly got thrown across the stage, actually. I remember that. I remember talking to the Hives, who I love, afterwards. We may, we may have played a, a tune or two from the album at Punk Rock Ball, and I really can't remember. I mean, the thing is, there's a, there's, I don't know if you've ever seen, but there's a, there's a, um, a, a website called setlist.com, I think, And every set list, I don't know who does it. It's fans, obviously. Sometimes we've barely got off stage and got back to the hotel and somebody's posted on this website what the set list was. So I guess if you looked on setlist.com, Stranglers, Punk Rock, Bowling, it might be on there. I honestly don't know.
0: That set list seemed like you played more of the more aggressive Stranglers stuff. Did you do that specifically because, you know, it is your first time at punk rock bowling and you saw the other bands that were playing were a bit more, you know, aggressive, I guess, in, in nature. Is that?
1: Yeah, no, I, I don't, I don't think it was, I don't think, well, knowing us as I do, we certainly wouldn't have tried to compete with other bands just with it for aggression. I think when you do a festival like that, you want to be specifically for the fans, you, t- you, t- you tend to tailor it more for the people that you're playing to rather than, the other groups. We uh, I mean the under if I remember rightly, the undertones were on as well. And I mean they're not an aggressive band, they're a pop group, really. And the hives are as well to a degree. Yeah. Um I think knowing us as as I do when we've done festivals like that in the past, punk rock festivals, and I mean the Stranglers are not a punk rock band, I don't think, but um there are there are those who would disagree with me. But I think There's we certainly have our punk I think yeah weeks, yeah uh, I, thinking, I think I was just about to say I think we certainly have our moments and uh, there are some there are some very punkier stuff uh you know very much more punky stuff but I think what we'll have what we'll have done there is to just not play too many songs that would make people want to go to the toilet or go and have a beer or sit down you know you want to keep people moving at gigs like that so that was probably the thinking behind it knowing us as I do.
0: Well, the crowd loved it i could I remember like people were just really into it, and you would have seen that, no doubt, from the stage as well that, yeah, you know, yeah, how yeah welcome well, you were there, so
1: we stayed in the golden nugget across the road, and there was a lot of fans in there and um I thought that we'd just be able to walk around and do our normal everyday stuff, but no <laughs> <laughs> we, we got a lot we got a lot of attention, which was very surprising, but it was nice, you know it was welcome,
0: yeah. Yeah, and I I saw you know you could see that the band was loving it. Like you could like you can sometimes you can just see it, you know, on the band when they're playing. It's just like yeah, they they really love being here. They're loving this reaction that they're getting. And oh yeah, yeah. I you mean, like you, you know, you, it was just obvious that, that, that both the crowd and the band were just connected at that moment.
1: Yeah, I mean that's a, that's very nice here to see, and that's a good way to put it. I mean the other the other side, of course, is, is that we flew all the way to the United States. Just to do two shows. The, de- the two days later, we played in uh, Los Angeles, uh, and we actually drove across the, the desert in a in a in a jeep from from Las Vegas to uh, to LA, which was absolutely fantastic. But the thing is, if you're going to spend expend all that energy and effort to go all the way to America just to do two shows why wouldn't you give it everything you've got i mean to to you're not only cheating the audience you're cheating yourself if you don't go and i mean to stand up on the stage with all our gear on look across the stage see on see my friends in the band see a big crowd who a lot of who haven't seen us before that's another thing about festivals like that you've got nothing to lose you know you've got nothing to lose you can just go on there and be yourself. Do what you do, and not really give a shit about anybody else. And that's, you know, we we got there. It was it was, I do remember it was a long journey. I can't remember where we came from, but we didn't come from England. We came. We'd been playing somewhere else in the world. We flew to to Las Vegas, which is a horrible place, by the way. Oh God, I hated Las Vegas.
0: You're not the first person I've heard say that. Oh
1: <laughs> God Almighty! A, 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 a more fake, pitiful grasping sad city i don't think i've ever been there in my life where people everybody's on the make you know um and it's just you know just i mean la is is quite a a bit the same as well but las vegas i wouldn't fucking care if i never went there again you know to be perfectly (laughs) honest but the gig that the gig is the only thing that matters and there was ten thousand people there and we went on and we kicked ass and that was what we were there for you know yeah
0: yeah, okay. I know you said that you had some uh, guitar issues here or something like that. I do have to ask you about the guitar because uh, you've, you've been you know, known to play a Telecaster the whole time. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. what was it that attracted you to the, to the Telecaster to begin with? Like to pick up to say, that's the guitar I want.
1: Probably Status Quo. Okay. Um, Francis Rossi, Rick Parfitt, maybe Hugh Cornwell. There was just something. I was a big core fan when I was a kid in the very early nineteen seventies. I mean, I don't even think I was ten, maybe nine or ten, and I remember seeing them on a program in England called the famous program called Top of the Pops. Yep. And I uh, I remember seeing them with long hair, and I just loved this. I, lo- I love. I mean, in in initially, I always wanted a Telecaster. If I if I'd picked one up. And hated it, I would never have played them again. I mean, actually, this is the one that I auditioned for the Stranglers with. This is my nineteen seventy-two wow. telly, which that's beautiful. Which I, yeah, it's great. It's it's I would this is this has been with me for over 40 years. Wow. Um, and I just that's what well, I've got I've got quite a few of them now, and I just um it's the simplicity of the telecaster, you can make it do most anything that other guitars can do, you've just got to try a little bit harder, There's te- they can they fight you back a little bit, which I like you know, it's yeah. not a the action's not ridiculously low so that you can't get, even get a cigarette paper underneath it, you know like these speed metal guys that just go you know what I mean <laughs> um, I just like, I like a Telecaster because you've got one volume one tone, two pickups and you have to make it do what you want it to do. The one I use in the Stranglers is an old 76, which is absolutely bashed to hell. And I've got lots of other people in the UK have offered me deals. I've tried loads of different guitars. Um, in fact, I've got now I'm looking here. I've got a couple of Strats. I've got a couple of Les Pauls. I've got, a, um, do you know, are you familiar with trussart guitars?
0: No, I didn't even know that brand.
1: You don't know trussarts? No. I've got a actually, hang on. Seeing as we're talking guitars, so you've got me on nerd. I'm on nerd. Uh, that's too,
0: all right. right. I'm i I'm a guitar nerd too. So I love guitars. Oh mate,
1: you've you got no idea. I'm, a, I'm an absolute nerd. I have got this one. This is made of metal. It's made oh of my sheet metal.
0: God, that looks like it's been through hell and back.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's a absolutely. I mean, look at look at this. Look at it. It's yeah. just. It's the it's the it's the most expensive guitar I've ever had in my life. Wow. And I had to have it, um, A, because it was a trussor, and B, because it's a telecaster. In fact, it's called a steel a caster because it's made of steel. So um, I take it you play tellies. Do you, do you play tellies? Or are you I've a guitar got, player?
0: I am a guitar player. I've got one telly. I've got uh, the J Mascus signature model, actually. That's oh. a, the telecaster <laughs> yeah, I have yeah,
1: yeah. Is that like a, a metallic blue thing?
0: Yeah, 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 the sparkle yeah. blue paint thing.
1: We did some gigs with them in Japan.
0: Oh god! Yeah, you yes, and Jay would have been in nerd heaven. That would have been great because that's like
1: yeah. I I actually I actually <laughs> we were in again. We were doing this, and I kind of, I kind of bumped into him in the hallway and said hello. And we we did talk guitars for like thirty seconds. If I'd been able to sit and have a beer with him, I probably would still be there, you know. Because <laughs> um, I just uh, so I just talk about guitars. I can talk about guitars forever. But uh, I, I, yeah, I mean, I initially wanted a Telecaster. Um, and and as I say had I got one and it was shit I wouldn't have played them but this one here that I showed you the wooden one I've had that since I was 18 and I did all the rejo- original. In fact, I think it's. A- Have you seen the video? You know, you're talking about small town heroes. Have you seen the video for Spin? Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Well, that's the that's the guitar I used on that video. Nice. Yeah, and um, it was also a spare guitar in the toy. It's it's on some toy dolls records. That's how long I've had it. That's and awesome. then when I went to London to audition for the Stranglers in 2000, that's the one I took. And when I got it out the case. JJ said, Oh, fucking hell, you've got fender telecaster. That's a strangler's guitar. So maybe that was one of the reasons why they wanted me to join. I don't know, you know. I really don't know.
0: <laughs> that is wild. That is that is wild. Yeah, I mean, I I I've always been attracted to the telecaster, you know, bands like you know, Soul Asylum, you know, were very well known. Oh, ones. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, using one yeah,
1: thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I've got you know, this there's, there's I've got a black Les Paul custom here, which I've always, like a 79, which I've always wanted. So it's not just tellies. Yeah. Uh, I record a lot because I've got a you know studio here in IU and I do do a lot of home recording. I've got a really nice SG. It's not particularly old, black SG with P90 pickups on it. And um, I've used that for the, with the Stranglers a few times. So, um, but mostly, it, it you know, I mean, I, I'm one of these guys, if you ever come in so, I mean, we did a European tour and I, just just two two three weeks ago and i used the most guitars ever i think i used three an acoustic i've got a baritone um which i use for a song called last men on the moon um another one for a a song and if you should see dave uh which is a Gretsch baritone which is the one i used on the record so i think i used about four guitars but if you but if you come and see the band I'm always a great believer in using one guitar. You can. I use that Telecaster for the whole gig because yes. I can get all the sounds out of it that I need. You know. Yeah. So um, and it never goes out of tune, and I can absolutely hit the shit out of it. Um, <laughs> and some and sometimes sometimes I do I play very aggressively, sometimes not. But it's just a wonderful guitar. And people, as I was saying earlier, people have tried throwing guitars at me, which I'm very grateful for you know, but um, if I could play something British, maybe I would. JJ doesn't play Fender Peas anymore. He uses guitars from a guy in uh, that we know in, in, in the, the Derbyshire Dales makes bass guitars. They're British, but I can't get, away from my old fender telecasters that's just the way i am you know
0: yeah i've always wondered, like you know how when i've seen um you know people get endorsement deals and they go from fender to gibson to you know to esp or whatever uh, i'm thinking like I, I i feel so comfortable playing the one that like i mean i've got a got a gibson uh les paul and a, and a gibson flying v and i used to oh, yeah. a r- really like heavy rock band like motorhead style stuff and that was okay. the guitars that i would use because it got that tone and. Even the sound, now, yeah, yeah, yeah. And now I play in a like a, a Ramonesy uh three chord punk rock band. And I oh, find great. that I, I play a Johnny Ramone style right that I actually built myself because I said I want to buy a guitar or make a guitar that just gives me that Ramones twang but also just feels comfortable to play. So I built one in during COVID, that was my COVID project. And I oh, great. <laughs> put the same pickup in it as uh, as Johnny had. Uh, put the same machine heads on or whatever. And I've now I'm to play that style of music. That's the only guitar that I feel comfortable playing that style. It of music. can do
1: it. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Did you ever see the Ramones?
0: Twice. Ninety-one
1: and ninety-four. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, the, the Ramones surely were something special. But I'm a firm firm believer in. Uh, i mean i couldn't i couldn't switch from um from from the ones that I use not as well as I am now. I do have a bit of a collection i've maybe got thirty guitars
0: nice
1: um but you know a few Gibsons and some some lots of quite a few fenders and different bits and pieces a couple of Schechters, actually and stuff like that and uh, and a really nice guitar manufacturer in England called Manson who make the guitars for Matt Bellamy from Muse. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I've got a couple of them, and but they're just for really, for you know, showing off to people. Oh, I've got an, I've got a really nice old melody maker, Gibson melody maker, which has got one pickup on it. Totally simple, you know, really simplistic. But it's all about the sound, isn't it? And and yeah. and how you how you do it. So uh, you
0: can't all compete good with a good tone. You can't compete with the good.
1: No, tone. no, tone is everything. <laughs> yep.
0: Well, Baz, I got to say, man, it's been an absolute pleasure. I reckon I could talk guitars with you forever because I—I like guitars. I,
1: think so too. I, 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 do like the. Don't get a chance to talk about my guitars very often, and I do enjoy it. So it's been a pleasure.
0: Ah, I, I, I love guitars, man. Maybe when I, if I can get to the show in Melbourne, I'll come and talk more guitars with you. So, you
1: know, come cause... and say come and say hello by all means. Be nice yeah. to meet you.
0: Likewise, man. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I've had a blast, man. Um, I hope you have a absolute great, pleasure. great weekend. And uh, yeah. Uh, safe travels. Thanks
1: very you. much. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, mate. Take, you take care. You
0: too. Bye-bye.
1: All the best. Cheers.